Can everyone hear me? Fantastic. Well, as a child, I was asked this classic question. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? And I answered like this. I want to be the owner of Harvey Norman. I want to be the owner of Harvey Norman. Why did I have this such, such a big goal? Well, I, the reason why I had this goal is because I loved games and digital technology. And I thought to myself, if I own this franchise, I could have unlimited access to all the things I loved. I imagine sitting at a corporate desk with a Game Boy, a video game device, in my hand. Not doing long hours of administration, but sitting with my legs up, playing Pokemon, Pokemon all day long. But while I discovered this belief was unrealistic when I was a teenager, I still believe that I was born to play. I remember speaking with some of my year 10 friends one day. We decided to fool our parents by pretending to be sick at home. Our sinister plan worked. Me and a few of my friends secured an entire day of online gaming. We played for, from 8 a.m. since the parents left to 4 p.m. to the time they returned after work without breaks. Don't do this, any of you Scone Grimmer kids. <laughs> Our minds were overstimulated, fried from all the shooting and manoeuvring online. Despite the thrill of lying to my parents to enjoy some fun, I felt, however, wrong on the inside. I knew that the object of my love was not right. With these negative feelings towards the effect of gaming on my life, I wondered, there must be more to life than this. There must be more to life. I then started searching for answers to these big questions of life. These were the common questions I asked. And I did that character quiz, and apparently I'm number two when it comes to spirituality, and so I often ask these big questions. What is the purpose of life? How did we get here? What am I born for? What am I born for? After much searching, inquiring, digging, I realised something. The answers to my questions have always been around me. I had the great privilege to grow up in a Christ-centred home. I had always heard about my true purpose of life, but it never really connected in a deep and intimate way. The purpose of life is to be in relationship with God the Father, through Christ the Son, by the power of God the Spirit. After this discovery, I then unearthed what I was born to do, to live a life of righteousness, to live rightly in God's sight. And this is a theme that pervades throughout the entire passage today, living righteously. In fact, the opening two verses frame the entire message of this passage. Let me read. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. 
If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The Apostle John is speaking about keeping the faith in the last hour. The motivator for keeping the faith is confidence before the return of Christ. And since God is righteous, our confidence in this last hour comes from living righteously as his children. For living righteously identifies us as the children, the born again children of God. And to unpack, I want to unpack this theme of living righteously in this last hour, which assures us that we are born of God with three points. I want to look at these three points today. Love, the start of living righteously. Purity, the way of living righteously. And family resemblance, the outcome of living righteously. And so let's take a look at this first point in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Love, the start of living righteously. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The only way we can be called children of God and start the journey of living as his children is through an extraordinary act of God's love. When God lovingly sent himself into the world, he died our death on the cross and his blood cleansed us from all our unrighteousness. Then through the preaching of Christ crucified by grace, his spirit pierced our hearts and made them brand new. We were spiritually reborn. When we turned to God in faith, calling him daddy, we began this journey of living righteously. We are children of God now. That is who you are at the core of your identity. Do you know that? If someone asked you, who are you? Don't say, I'm a teacher. Don't say, I'm a parent. Do not say, I'm an entrepreneur or a netball player, or whatever it is, say, I'm a child of the living God. It's profound, isn't it? But there's two implications of being a children of God in this point. I want to read on. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And so as children of God, there are two implications. The first one is that we will be completely unknown by the world. Sadly, the world treats believers in line with their treatment of God. Since many do not know God, they simply look at us and think, those churchgoers are strange. They could be doing something else right now. Why are they gathering together? It's odd. They need to get a life. They could be down watching the football right now, but they're in church. What is going on here? To the world, we are unknown, misunderstood. People don't get it. 
get us. And the second implication is that we will become like Christ when he returns, which is profound. When we physically rise from the dead on judgment day, we will not only experience the beauty, majesty and glory of Christ, we will share in his very magnificence. Think of the most extraordinary thing that you can think about on this earth. Give you a moment. What is extraordinary? What's something extraordinary you've seen? I'm thinking maybe of the Swiss Alps. They're pretty extraordinary, aren't they? The Swiss Alps. Or Uluru. Have you ever touched Uluru and looked up and said, wow, extraordinary? Well, times that by, let's say, a million... And that is only a glimpse of the glory that awaits you. We, as God's children, are going to be like Jesus in full glory as God's sons and daughters. Something to look forward to, isn't it? Something to look forward to. And while the first implication of not being known by the dying world is sad... The second implication shows us that being unknown is nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. While we might not get invited to a relative's party or wedding, while our voice may be suppressed in the public domain, I've experienced that here in Scone already, we can be assured we are the people who await a glorious feast to come. Believe it, guys. Be confident in that. You are going to share in Christ's glory. Let's go to the next point, though. Purity, the way of living righteously as God's confident children. Verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. John's word is difficult here, I believe. The way people live indicates who they are, their identity, if they're a Christian or not a Christian. It's a hard one. And John keeps on repeating this theme as he's challenging false teachers and anointings, as we saw last week. And John shows us actually two identities in this text. The first identity revealed is of the children of God. The children of God are known because they are undergoing purification, which is transformation, which is sanctification. They're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. In the New Testament, purification is the act of preparing ourselves to live for God's glory. I think of 1 Peter, um, chapter 1, verse 22. Now that, you have been pure, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And so when we purify ourselves by obeying God's word, living by the truth, reading scripture, marking, digesting it each day, We prove ourselves to be the children of God because we're growing in our love for each other, our neighbour, everybody. Love for God. And so how can we ensure that we're being purified? 
How can we prepare ourselves each day to live for God's glory? For me, it's a matter of actually blocking out time in my day to soak myself with the scriptures. Just like the water that washes me and cleanses me when I'm dirty, I try to ensure that I'm being drenched by God's word. If I'm driving somewhere in the car, there's a great, there's a great Bible apps you can get now, which have a cool guy's voice and you can listen to it and you can even get background music. And if you want to turn to the Psalms, just let the Psalms soak over you. Where you could do what Caitlin does, open up a passage each day, find a verse, mark it, digest it, ask the question, how can this impact my life today? Soak yourselves in the word of God. And that's a sign that you are a child of God. But the second identity in the passage is of the enemies of God. The enemies of God are known for something. Sin, which is a naughty word in our culture today. And John actually says that sin here is lawlessness. There's a passage in one, sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it's speaking about this man who's going to come called the man of lawlessness. And Paul speaks about what that looks like. He says, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. And so sin which is lawlessness, is living a life in direct opposition to God. When we live like antichrists, living lives in direct opposition to God, we show who we're in allegiance with. We show if we know God or not. And again, it's a hard teaching, isn't it? Jesus... The apostles, God himself, does not like what's been called by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, cheap grace. The kind that says, you can have me and continue to live in opposition to me. That doesn't work, does it? How can you really know God and receive his forgiveness, yet stomp on it through your life each day? Stomp on Jesus' work on the cross as if it's nothing. I find that deeply assaulting, and I think that God would as well. Jesus offers us the type of grace that actually, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, bids a person to come and die. (laughs) Die to themselves. Die to their ego, which they once lived for. And so if we're truly apprentices of Jesus Christ and know the price that he paid on the cross for our sin, we must strive to live righteously, to undergo purification as God's children. Amen. Before we move on from this point, I want to introduce you to a guy. Does anyone know this guy? Hands up if you know him. No one knows him. Well, his name's Freddie. And Freddie, well, he, he doesn't go to our church, but he goes to another church and he does all the right things on a Sunday. He, he goes to church, serves on the welcoming team. He even puts $100 in to the, the offertory every single week. 
But despite all these rituals, there was something wrong. From Monday to Friday, he lived a rather worldly life. At his electronic store, none of his staff even knew that he was a member of the local church. His impatience with the old computers, his smugness when it comes to being a Microsoft supporter, and his regular swearing fit at the back of the store, especially when a, a computer's not being fixed, disturbs those around him. One staff member said this, that's just Freddie. He's loose with his old, dirty tongue. Over the many years of working with Freddie, nothing has changed. Even when his mouth got him in trouble with the locals and caused them to even have to go to another computer store. Friends, even though Freddie claimed to be a Christian, his life didn't really match up. He actually lived a life in opposition to Christ. Because he was not bringing people to Christ, he was actually pushing people away. He's the guy described in verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin, and that's living by the power of sin, has either seen him or known him. Of course we will sin, but this is talking about the power of sin. We must therefore ensure that uh, we are pursuing a life of purity, be that tongue and all. We should be undergoing constant transformation and sanctification as God's children. Now with this point in view, I want to look at the last point. Family resemblance. The outcome of living righteously as God's covenant children. Let me read the text. Verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Do you see what John's trying to do? He's trying to give a big, big description of who's your brothers and who are not your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because when we identify who are not for us, we're able to overcome being led astray by the evil one. And that's the whole reason why John is writing. He's writing to a people who have been deeply wounded by people who claim to know God yet didn't really know God. And so he's trying to help them be confident in their own spirit-filled anointing so that they can continue on being confident that they are true sons and daughters of God. And to help the church to identify the true disciples and to therefore protect themselves, he reminds us again, conduct matters. Our Father, if that be the devil or God the Father, is really revealed 
Not so much by saying, I believe in Jesus, my saviour, but look at my life. Look at my life. Do you see change? Do you see that I'm a good news person? Those who live righteously come from God, the righteous one. Those who live by the power of sin come from the devil. It's hard, isn't it? The one who has lived lawlessly from the beginning. And the only thing that these two groups have in common is that they bear the family resemblance. They bear the family resemblance. Isn't it obvious when two people are related to each other? They might look similar, have the same mannerisms, share the same interests, use the same vocabulary, the tone of voice, have the same views on life. Often these similarities are genetic. However, as the scriptures reveal, and as also psychologists now are revealing, we are also formed into the people we become by those who we rub shoulders with, who we live life together with. Becoming who we are is not so much taught, but caught. Of course, we need to learn the way of Jesus, but often we learn the way of Jesus by looking at each other, looking at the family of God, as one wise pastor said. When I look at my daughter, Evelyn, I see a replica of myself. Jessica says she has the same taste buds as me. She pulled an olive out a few months back and started eating it and said, yummy, Dad, I like the olive. (laughs) What two-year-old eats olives? Hands up if you've ever heard of a two-year-old eating olives. She likes olives because I like olives. She's got the same taste buds. She loves to read the Bible with me at family worship. Even though she can't read, she's at least looking at the pictures and pointing at Jesus and seeing what Jesus does and how he loves and the truth that Jesus is her saviour. She often prays, even though it's all over the place. Often she tries to pray like me and says the same things as me. She'll start with Heavenly Father. Thank you for this day. Evelyn also has blonde hair, my button nose, and loves seeing the Greek alphabet. Evelyn bears the family resemblance because she shares my genetics, but also my life. And as God's children, we must bear God's family resemblance. Bearing his resemblance requires not just to be reborn by the Spirit, as mentioned earlier. We must also learn his way by sharing life together with him. And we do that individually when we open up the Bible at home. But we also learn the way of Jesus being a part of God's family when we open up the Bible Bible corporately as a family. We are the family. We are the body of Christ. His spirit is with us. And as we seek to know him more, the spirit of God empowers us to no longer bear the family resemblance of Satan. Remember where you came from. You came from another place, another world. Now you're a part of God's kingdom. Parts of our old self will still be at work. They will. Things that haunt you, which prop up without any notice. But we're called to reflect God back to him.
His glory. That's what a true image bearer of God is. Reflecting God's glory back to him and to each other. And so to bear the family resemblance of God, we must bear his genetics by being spiritually reborn and bear his likeness by being, becoming sorry, righteous like Jesus Christ. And I suspect here, because it's sad to say, but often in churches, not everyone has this new identity. While we may gather together, some of us still, may still be lost inquiring, trying to work out, is this something that I want to sign my life up for? Do I bear the genetics of God? Have I been spiritually reborn? Well, friends, if that's you, I want to encourage you to ask the question, is God my father? Has Christ died for my sin? Have I been given the gift of God's spirit? If you say, amen, yes, I want to serve the Father. I want to bear his resemblance. Welcome to the family. Welcome. And may we keep on growing as a family together. Where if you, now that you've come to Christ, and many of us here do love and serve God the Father, now we need to learn the way of Jesus. What areas of my life don't align with who Jesus is? Do I see myself as an apprentice of Jesus? Yes or no? If so, may you ask God to reveal, expose the dark side still at work in you. And may his light continue to shine in you. Well, friends, if we bear this family resemblance of God, we should be confident as we approach glory. While there will be things that happen in our life which haunt us, while there will be people who try to lead us astray, please remember who you are. You are a child of God, awaiting a glory that you can't describe with words now. And so enjoy it when it comes. But in the meantime, remain confident as you seek to live righteously. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Living righteously gives us confidence as your children. Lord, we thank you that we can start this journey of living righteously because of your great love that you have given us, which makes us sons and daughters. Lord, as we now undergo transformation, as we seek to grow in purity, we do pray that you... Help us to do that. May your spirit energize us to grow in purity. And Lord, we do pray that as we grow in purity, we may bear their family resemblance, that we may reflect your glory back to you and to each other. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a time of prayer now. And we're going to do it a little differently today. What we're going to do is actually do an um, open prayer time.